With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. And we have a fantastic collaboration this week. So it's also an episode of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I have with me Santoki from CCP. Santoki, it's great to be finally collaborating, isn't it? I know, right? Long, long-awaited collaboration. You guys have been early supporters and followers of our podcast, so thank you for all your support over the years. And yeah, we've been waiting for West Indies and India to finally play a series, and it's happened, so we can get going with this collaboration. It's absolutely brilliant. So for those of you listening to us on the CCP feed, Edges and Sledges is an Indian cricket podcast. We've been around for about three and a half years. We've got over 200 episodes. We focus on Indian cricket and the IPL. And of course, the Caribbean cricket podcast, listened to by Michael Atherton, Quoted on Sky Sports, the authoritative voice in West Indian cricket. The CPL has tied up with them. They are in a deal with the Cricketer magazine at the moment. Have I missed anything at the moment, um, Santoki? Thank you for making us sound like a a legitimate and more serious product than we actually are. No, but it's great. In in a way, we, we've got a lot of parallels between our podcasts because we both live outside the countries that we, we support. So I live in London, my co-podcasters live in Singapore and the United States, and we talk about Indian cricket. And you and Mash, who's your co-host, live in London, right? And you talk about West Indian cricket. So it's almost like you have a more objective view of the game when you aren't surrounded by the madness in a way, right? Yeah, I guess it also works. As you say, me and Michelle, my co-host, um, we're both from London, South London. Um, and it kind of, specifically for West Indies, it means that we haven't really got any sort of island bias. Obviously, I'm Guyanese, Michelle's Jamaican, but because we've both grown up in England, we've kind of got an objective view of West Indies. Whereas if you're actually from the Caribbean, if you're Guyanese or Trinidadian, you're obviously got a lot more bias. You want your your countrymen to succeed. So that kind of gives us an advantage in terms of our views of West Indies cricket, which are sometimes popular and sometimes very unpopular in the region. <laughs> you guys have grown a great podcast. I think it's it's been amazing following you. It's been amazing watching the podcast grow. And it's, it's really finally happening, the Edges and Sledges and the Caribbean Cricket Podcast collaboration. So I'm super excited. We've got a, three ODIs, three T20s coming up. We're going to talk about all of that. But first, Santoki, I want to ask you, West Indian cricketers, do they only perform in the two months before the mega IPL auction? Because there's a few cricketers that are coming through the ranks with the IPL auction coming up next month. Yeah, well, (laughs) it is a common common thread where West Indian cricket, as soon as an IPL draft is happening. Coincidentally, we all seem to be playing in India right before an IPL draft. um, And players seem to step up. I mean... Obviously, you can say that these players are, are excellent performers anyway, but you do feel it is in the back of their mind that, especially with the precedent that West Indian cricketers have set in terms of getting big money deals in the IPL, the next generation coming up will obviously have it in the back of their mind. And as you said, there's a few there's a few players in the West Indies squad, particularly in the ODIs and the, T- and the T20s as well, but that comes after the draft. But in the ODIs who I can imagine playing T20-style cricket in order to put their name forward in the IPL draft. Let's get straight into it then. So what we want to do in this podcast is go through the two squads, figure out the performers that we think are going to be the stars. And so let's start with the West Indies squad. So who are your, who are you guys looking to win you the ODI series? Firstly, do you guys st- are you guys still interested in ODI cricket? Yeah, I think definitely we are. Funny enough, last year we ODI was our stronger format. We won three 0 comprehensively in Sri Lanka. It was we had a closely contested series with Australia. Um, we only play, we didn't play much ODIs after that, but it was we did look settled. Whereas in the T Twenty and Test side, we've kind of been erratic recently. Um, in the ODI side, we looked settled. Unfortunately, we lost to Ireland, which is kind of 
caused a lot of chaos in the region. Um, obviously, Ireland traditionally viewed as minnows, whereas realistically, West Indies are, are closer to Ireland in terms of status at the moment in ODI cricket than they would be to the likes of in India. But um, yeah, I think for me, the most interesting selection in the ODI selection is um, the recall of Kimar Roach. So 33-year-old Kimar Roach. I kind of imagine he was a test specialist at this point. He has a lot of injuries. He's come into the twilight of his career. But he's been called up to fill in a void, which is essentially, at the moment, in white ball cricket, we don't have any strike bowlers who can uh, take wickets. And that's been a massive, massive, probably the biggest issue in our white ball cricket at the moment. Um, In the Island series, we used Azari Joseph, who's kind of declined in the format recently, and Jason Holder as our strike bowlers. Now, anyone who knows Jason Holder will know he's not a strike bowler. He's someone who can maintain a good economy, but he's not someone who's going to take wickets in the power play. So our new selector, um, Desmond Haynes, is recalled Kumar Roach, and his objective is to take wickets in the first 10 overs, which has been a massive uh, flaw in the West Indian side. Yeah, and it's a team that runs through the Indian uh, team as well. With the opening bowlers, we've had trouble. We haven't been taking wickets up front, so it has been it has been a massive issue. But let's stick with the West Indian squad. So, interestingly, Kiran Pollard is the West Indian ODI captain as well. Now, I'd sort of forgotten that Kiran plays ODI cricket because I, I think of him and I think of Mumbai Indians and I think of West Indies T20. So, is it just trying to maintain consistency between the two formats, just have a single white ball captain, which is another theme that Indian cricket and West Indian cricket seem to be running in parallel with. Yeah, I think it was partly down to maintaining that consistency. And also there was an issue of we don't have any natural captains in the region. Obviously, um, Nicholas Puran is being groomed as a long-term future captain. But in 2019, he was very young and he just he just made his way into the ODI squad. So Pollard, in a sense, was a veteran leader who they thought could gel both white ball sides. Um, his kind of remit is to lead the team until the 2023 World Cup. And then he said he'll step down and hand it over to a Nicholas Poran or, or a Shimron Hetmeyer if, if we ever return to the West Indies side. So he, I think they've just picked him up. As you said, he's synonymous with IPL, Mumbai Indians, T20 cricket. But he's got so much experience and tactically he's a great captain. So they put him in for those reasons, just to kind of guide a young set of players. Also, India has obviously got Rohit Sharma captaining officially for the first time in the ODI squad. So you're going to have the Mumbai, it's going to be a Mumbai Indians club almost with the, these two <laughs> white ball captains in a way, which which will be interesting. We've had a lot of drama on the captaincy side, but um, which we've spoken about on our podcast at length with Virat Kohli giving up or being made to give up all three formats in a way with, with um, Rohit Sharma taking over at least two of those formats. And we don't know who our third captain is going to be as yet. But let's stick with Pollard. There was some chat in the press recently about him not getting on with one of the players, Odian Smith. What's gone on there? Because like the BCCI has sources said this and sources said that. It seems like the West Indies have a similar sort of uh, non-official source of uh, information. Yeah, so in Barbados, there's a popular radio show called Mason and Guest, um, led by Andrew Mason, who's 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 a journalist who, as you said, has a lot of sources within the West Indies side. He often can reveal squad selections before it's officially announced and, and that kind of thing. Um, a voice note was distributed on Wednesday, I believe, suggesting that there were issues between Kyron Pollard and Odeon Smith. And it was leading to the West Indies Player Association, so like a players union, having a meeting with uh, Cricket West Indies, which was meant to be on Friday. Um, it was cancelled and apparently... It's going to happen next week. Um, the issue is Odeon Smith is obviously an all-rounder in the side. Um, he's probably one of the favourites to get an IPL draft in this West Indies side, to get an IPL deal in this West Indies side. However, in England, against England in the second T20, he did not bowl. And then in the third and fourth T20s, he wasn't selected at all. So uh, supposedly he's not happy. He hasn't come out and said anything. But this is what the journalists and media in, in the region are, are suggesting at the moment. Um, it was serious enough for Cricket West Indies to release an official statement dismissing the authenticity of the voice notes and the content. So we'll have to see what happens next week. Anything could happen. Um, it, with West Indies cricket, there's always drama on a daily basis. So if, if I spoke to you this time next week, I'm sure a lot more would have happened as well. Very interesting. Let's just go through the squad now. Is there anyone you think is missing from this squad um, that you would have liked to see in? Obviously, Hetmeyer <laughs> is still declared unfit, unable to meet the minimum standard. Obviously, we're Delhi Capitals fans as well. Uh, for those of you watching this on, on YouTube, I'm actually so excited I'm wearing my jersey, but my Delhi Capitals <laughs> jersey is there as well. And Hetty is like a big part of that over the last three or four years. So we're big fans of him. So apart from him, who's clearly missing out for fitness reasons, is anyone else you would have liked to see in there? Anyone big that you think is missing from the ODI squad? 
Yeah, I think the big player missing who's kind of critical for our ODI side is Evan Lewis. Um, so obviously he's, he caught COVID, unfortunately, over Christmas and he's still recovering from that. So he's missing, which he, that was a major issue in terms of the Island series. We didn't have someone who could start a quick innings like Evan Lewis can. He's a world-class opener. And uh, we sort of, we've drafted in Brandon King, who's been doing well for the T20 side. We've drafted him into the ODI side. So I imagine it will be King and Shy Hope uh, opening against you guys. But again, King's, he hasn't played 50 over cricket in a while now. Um, he's not, he's he's not in the mould of an Evan Lewis. He can't score at like 150 strike rate like an Evan Lewis can. So for me, opening, especially if we, if we bat first, trying to set pace against an Indian bowling attack is going to be very hard without Evan Lewis. Another Mumbai Indians play. It does seem like a bit of a, a reunion, doesn't <laughs> it? They may just stay back for the uh, IPL. But talk me through the order that you think you're going to have. You're going to have. It sounds like you're going to have King and Hope opening the batting. We know those guys. Who's batting three? Because I see Darren Bravo's back in the mix. Uh, do you like that selection? Yeah, I think I think Darren Bravo's a solid a solid batsman. He's got a lot of experience. There's a lot of controversy at the moment over over his, his conclu- inclusion in the T20 side, um, which is up for debate. But I think in the ODI side, it's perfectly suited to his game. Um, interestingly enough, though, we played Nicholas Puran at three um, in the Island series, so it could be something we do there. Have Nicholas Puran face more balls. Obviously, he's an electric batsman, but whether he he's suited to the role of three and kind of playing that anchor role is is up for debate again. Is Puran the world's unluckiest bat? I've I've watched him get out to like crazy dismissals, like incredible catches, crazy runouts. Like I don't know, he he just seems really unlucky. But is it the way he plays that makes him look unlucky when he gets out? I don't know, because I'm a I big fan we, as I, well. I, I really enjoy yeah, watching him bat. I think recently he has had a lot of um, as you said, unlucky dismissals. But he gives his wicket away a lot as well. He um sort of slashes at stuff, swings at stuff. So it is his batting style. He's kind of like a. I don't know how you would describe it, zero to 100 player. He's either, everything's going his way and he's smashing sixes or he's getting an unlucky dismissal. But he's someone, long term, he's sort of like the bright light for West Indian cricket. And obviously, Indian fans will know him from uh, Punjab in the IPL. A player of a lot of talent, but you feel like he could do more. He's got a lot of potential, but he hasn't realised it all yet. Yeah, but he's still young though, so hopefully he, he will realise it soon. So it sounds like you've got Hope, King, Puran, Bravo making up your top four. Who's batting yeah. after that? So five, six, seven. Talk me through your all rounders. Well, also we've we've drafted in Nkuma Bonner, so he's one of the few players who's made a mark in Test cricket for us in the past year or so, averaging over forty. The issue with West Indies against Ireland was we lost a lot of cheap wickets and we were we were down four or five wickets pretty quickly. So they've drafted in Nkuma Bonner as well, similar to sort of shore up the order. Now again, this raises questions as obviously we've got a lot of batters. Um, Shamar Brooks as well, done well against Ireland. Um, so he he's in the fame as well. We've got Shamar Brooks, Nkuma Bonar, Darren Barbo, all sort of anchor players, but you're wondering who's going to be able to accelerate the innings. Um, it's sort of like a 90 squad, whereas if you want to score a 240-250 total, it's a perfect squad. But if we do need to, if we're going to score by 300, who's who are sort of the players to take you? And that's where you kind of go further down the order and you're looking at the likes of a Kyron Pollard, Odian Smith, Romario Shepherd as well. Odian Smith and Romario Shepherd. They've been chosen as all-rounders, but with the bat, they've been explosive against Ireland. It's whether they can perform with the ball is another question. But with the bat, there's no doubt about it. They're sort of the players who we're hoping towards the tail end of the innings can accelerate. Didn't you have someone who scored 151 balls with a Powell, who recently scored a T20 100 of? But he's not in the ODI squad. No, so he's not He's not really... He's sort of someone, again, similar to Poran. He's not realised his potential. He's been talked about in West Indies for years now. 50 over cricket, he hasn't played it in a while, so it's no surprise he's not there. Um, you'd imagine if he performed consistently in T20s, they would probably give him a chance to step up in the future series. But yeah, Powell's, Powell's not got enough 50 over experience to make this squad. Interesting. But you've got Jason Holder. Yeah. <laughs> so where does he bat? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> is he batting eight? Is that a bit too low for Jason Holder? Because he's definitely a better batsman there. That seven. He batted at seven in the uh, um, Island series. But the problem is, if he's going to open the bowl in the power play as well, it's mm. kind of tough for him to bat higher up as well and, and kind of put that pressure on him. Yeah. But he's publicly said he would like to bat higher. We know he's a quality batsman. Um, but I just think, especially if they're going to use him with Kimar Roach um, in the power play, then they'll probably, they won't have him bat higher than six. So I'd imagine he's... So it sounds like you've got Bonner at five, you've got Pollard at six. Yeah. Who's batting seven for you guys? So it would be, I, it, I'd imagine it would be Holder. Hold, hold, a, on... hold a bad seven. Okay. Yeah. And then who who follows after that? The 
bowling uh, all around us. And Odin Smith, um, Akil Hussain would obviously come in. We saw him against England hit 28 off the final over off yeah. uh, Mahmoud. Yeah. He's someone who's he's got first class 100. He's similar, sort of similar to an Adil Rashid. He's a spinner who can actually bat as well. Right. And um, we've seen, so no no game for Alzari Joseph in that case, you think? Yeah, I'd imagine it'd be a, a toss up between Joseph and Roach, but you'd imagine they wouldn't fly Roach out to India and not play him um, at yeah. his age. And but I'd, I'd go with Roach. And just because Joseph hasn't, hasn't really performed as we'd expect as a strike bowler. So I can imagine him not playing. Obviously, another another talking point, just to go back on players who are missing, Jaden Seals. We've obviously got Jaden Seals, who's shown, looks like a world-class bowler. He's only 20 years old. Testarina, he's, he's been doing well. They picked him for the ODI series against Ireland, did not play him to a lot of controversy. And they've not picked him for this tour because they want him to play Red Bull cricket. So a lot of fans are saying, why isn't Jaden Seals in this side? But for me, for his development, I'd rather see him play uh, sort of regional games, Red Bull cricket, and um, try and make the test side in March um, against England. Very interesting. So who's going to be your strike spinner? Because you're playing in India, you're going to need some spinners. Who are you going to... Because you've got the quicks. You've got Holder, you've got Roach, you've got maybe Joseph. You've got Odeon Smith who can bowl some seam as well. Who's going to bowl your spin? You know what? You've got, you've just reminded me because he hasn't he didn't play in the Island series, so his shockingly he slipped my mind. We've got Fabian Allen as well, so Fabian Allen will need to fit into the side as well. Another Punjab, so uh, a Punjab player, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, Fabian Allen as well is going to have to fit in. So it'd be interesting to see how they fit in. I'd imagine Allen would come in for a Shepherd or Odian Smith um, in that all rounder spot because he can spin as well. Um, so we'll have Akil Hussain as our strike bowler and Fabian Allen as the support. Um, in terms of Roston Chase hasn't been picked. So he was someone who's done well in India in the past, but he's been abysmal with the bat um, in for the past two years. So it's it's about time he's been dropped, which is a shame because he's someone who can bat and can handily spin, but he just hasn't been performing with the bat. So Fabian Allen's going to be crucial as well, not only as a finisher, but for his spin, left arm spin. And I'm sure that'll put Odeon Smith in a, in a great mood again being dropped for someone <laughs> else. But yeah, that's the ODI squad. I mean, maybe we should chat quickly about the Indian ODI squad as well because yeah. um, Ashwin's missing out. We've dropped uh, Venkatesh Iyer from the team that played the last set of ODIs against uh, South Africa. Uh, we brought in Avesh Khan. Uh, we um, brought in Deepak Huda, who's the all-rounder. Uh, Prasad Krishna, Ravi Bishnoi plays... Um, I'm actually really glad to see Washington Sundar back in, which is, uh, he's replaced Ashwin, who's uh, injured, apparently, and will be back for the Sri Lanka games. Uh, but that's, I think, that will make the batting a bit stronger with um, while uh, making the uh, bowling a bit tighter, because they're different bowlers. Ashwin's more attacking, while uh, Washington Sundar's a, a bit more defensive in a way. But uh, the issue is going to be interesting. We haven't got Bumrah playing. Uh, which is, I think, going to be another issue because we have, I think, and I mentioned this on the last week's podcast, and I think the West Indies are better than India at this, and it's to do with power play wickets. India have the worst stats when it comes to power play wickets. We've got the worst average and the worst strike rate since the 2019 World Cup. It is a shocking stat for a team that prides itself on being an ODI powerhouse. So I think what we're going to struggle with is striking early, and striking in the power play. And I think from the sounds of it, the West Indies have had similar issues, right? Yeah. And we've dropped Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, who played the last uh, set of games. Uh, we've got Siraj, we've got Deepak Cheher. Deepak can swing the ball with the um, new ball. So he's sort of like for like Bhuvi at his best replacement. And he can bat. He's batted really well in the last two games. So that's, that's a good selection for me. Uh, so... Uh, Deepak Cheher for Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. Siraj will probably come in for Bumrah, I think. And Ashwin will be replaced by Washington Sundar, which is great because I think Washi is going to be uh, an important player for us going forward. Where do you see the weaknesses in this Indian Indian side? Because obviously Rohit Sharma has come back, which is a big, yeah. it's a big return. But he's suddenly fit as the IPL approaches as well, which is one of my annoyances because <laughs> he's missed the entirety of this disaster South African tour for whatever injury reasons, but he's going to be captaining for the first time. Where do you see the issues with the Indian team? Because I know we've talked at length at about uh, about the issues with the way we play ODI cricket, but I'd be very interested to get the, like a, uh, the opposition's perspective on this. I think I think it's what you... Similar to West Indies, I think you've got a lot of all-rounders, but in terms of strike bowlers, that's obviously where you're lacking. However, I do think the strike bowlers, you do have like a Siraj, 
is is better than what West Indies can offer at the moment. Um, and for me, just looking at the batting lineup, you know, Rohit Sharma, KL Rahul, Kohli, who's who's gonna want to have to a point to prove. A lot of people have been talking about his lack of century. No better side to do it again against West Indies, who he seems to like. You know, DI cricket scoring centuries against. And then you've got Rishabh Pant. So for me, it's a side who, if they bat first, they're gonna put up over three hundred, no doubt about it. And West Indies are gonna struggle. But again, on the same side, we saw it. When was when did we last tour you guys? 2019, 2018? We had a really good series where Shy Hope performed. Was that the Kestrick Williams series? Because we yeah. interviewed him just after he got sledged by Kohli, which is great. So I guess it was similar issues there. You um West Indies were able to put up big scores in the ODIs, um, similar because of the lack of strike rolling. So I think that is a main issue for for the Indian side, but still overwhelming favourites for me just because of the sheer quality of, of your top order batting lineup. And the really interesting thing for me is the return of Kuldeep Yadav. Because we he's come back, his numbers don't bear it out, but he's come back with to bring that wrist spin in. Which is, I mean, it's, it's quite fascinating for me that we've chosen to bring him back and he's been low on confidence, he hasn't taken wickets. Um, so I'd be very interested to see how he goes. Ravi Bishnoi, another Punjab player, an under-19 star from the last uh, World Cup. He's come back in, uh, well, he's made, he's made his way into the squad, which is... I mean, it's incredible. We've got Sky as well. So how do you think these two teams are going to deploy all these players? So one of the issues with Indian fans and Indian cricket is that we want to win every game. And I think you guys mentioned this on your Twitter feed as well, that it's not a case. We we don't use these games, these meaningless bilateral series, which frankly they are. I mean, there's no point. There's no real context to these series. It's one to give people more cricket, which is always welcome. But the other thing, what it should be used for is to work out which players you want to use for these marquee tournaments. So what do you think these, do you think these players are, we're going to use the entirety of the squads or are we going to try and put the best 11s out to to play? You know what, I think that's one slight advantage West Indies have because obviously the ODIs count towards the ODI Super League, uh, the World Cup. And obviously India have already qualified as hosts. So for you guys, it's meaningless, essentially, you can experiment. For West Indies... It's convenient. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, essentially, it's essentially a meaningless bilateral. For West Indies, we obviously, we don't want to go through qualifiers, but we probably will. So, But we're going to try and have to win these, this series 3-0. So we're going to have to put our best lineup up and there is a lot at stake. But sadly, as well, with the economics of the game, you'd imagine more importantly for the players, as you said at the top of the show, the IPL draft is coming up. So these players, they're one of the best players are one are going to get into the squad and perform well. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see the likes of Fabian Allen, Romario Shepard, Odian Smith go completely berserk with the bat and play a t- T20 gun innings um, with an IPL draft on their minds. So there's a lot of important factors for West Indian players going into the side. I don't know if the same motivation is going to be there for India. You mentioned a few players who want to make a mark and cement their place in the side. So that could be something that tilts it towards West Indian uh, favour, just what's at stake for both sides in this series. Very interesting. Do you think Kohli is going to get his 71st International 100 in this series? <laughs> well, we, we tweeted out of his last eight ODI centuries, five have come against West Indies. So it would not surprise me. He's obviously got a point to prove losing the captaincy. Um, not his idea. Um, so he's obviously got a point to prove him. And what better way to do it, I guess, with uh, Rohit, Sh- Rohit Sharma returning as, and his debut as captain for Kohli to sort of steal the headlines with a massive century. <laughs> uh, we're, we're massive Kohli fans. We're obviously Rohit fans as well, but we're massive Kohli fans. And it's been it's been a hard few weeks for us. But interestingly, we've got a question. We put a question out on, on Twitter. Um, we put a call for questions out on Twitter. And we got a very interesting question from Rajav Sharma, uh, underscore Sharma, who asks... How does the CCP, which is you guys, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, compare and think about Kohli's legacy and team structure as compared to Sir Clive Lloyd's? Wow, that is a question and a half, isn't it? I'm just going, I'm just going to go on mute now. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to need about an hour, an hour thesis on this one. Um, I think, you know what? I think Kohli and Lloyd are both captains who have essentially managed to mould a whole team, a whole generation of of their national team in their image. Clive Lloyd was someone who, 1976, we famously lost uh, a series against India where they'd done a world record chase at the time. I think it was 403, and we deployed three spinners. Clive Lloyd said after that, listen, I'm just going to build this team on pace bowling, aggressive. We're going to scare teams. And and that kind of heralded the famous glory era of West Indian cricket for the next 15 years. Kohli's done a similar thing. He's kind of built an Indian side in his image. Traditionally, 
I mean, when when I've seen India, looking at it from a neutral perspective, when I've seen India play in Australia um, the past what, two series away, they were very sort of aggressive and upfront in Australian faces. And this is something which traditionally I'd never seen in Indian sides. And that's some Kohli sort of um, illuminated the side in his, moulded it in his personality and kind of developed it. You can see this India side and say, this is a Kohli team. And that's sort of similar to what Clive, Clive Lloyd done. He sort of took a West Indian side who was struggling in the 60s and early 70s, moulded it in his personality style, and they all sort of looked up to him and, and they would basically do anything for him, similar to the players under Kohli's leadership. So for me, Kohli's always been a world-class leader, just the way he's managed to galvanise India. And most importantly, from my perspective, he's made Test cricket feel important in India from an Indian perspective. He's someone who you can tell loves, prioritises Test cricket, and that's sort of filtered through. You feel like Test cricket is the pinnacle in India at the moment, which hasn't necessarily been the case uh, 10, 15 years ago. So for me, just the way he's sort of improved um, the game the game as well and perceptions of Test cricket has been, for me, one of the benefits of his style as a leader. That's a, that's a great answer. That's, that's a, I, think, I don't think there's anything to add to that. We are now going to move on to the T20 squads because how many World Cups have you guys won in the T20 arena? Definitely more than India. <laughs> so we, we've won two, so 2012 and uh, 2016. Yep, So and we've won only one. We've won two World Cups in the ODI arena, so I think that puts you uh, at par with us because you won 75 and 79. We won one Champions Trophy and you guys have won one Champions Trophy as well. So the 2016 World Cup actually put you ahead of us in terms of sort of ICC trophies overall. Didn't it? And it came at the 1K day, kicking us out, chasing 192, if I'm not wrong, with um, Andrew Russell finishing things off in style. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember. It was a, it was a it was a great match. Um, Lendl Simmons caught off a no ball of Ashwin. Yeah, which yeah. was remarkable because yeah. he'd flown in specifically for that semi final and had a back injury, and he just played an unbelievable <laughs> in it to sort of take it. Yeah, and he seems to do that for the Mumbai Indians as well because I seem to remember him replacing late on in the in the um, IPL a number of times and and just getting off a plane and starting to score runs. But um, let's talk about the squads and how it's going to go. So. Obviously, the last T20 World Cup hasn't gone well, didn't go well for either of our teams. I think the West Indies were bowled out for 54 against England or something like 65, something like that. We, I mean, obviously just blanked it. India, of course, um, uh, went out as well in the preliminary stages like the West Indies, losing to New Zealand and uh, Pakistan. Um, But we play two very different forms of T20 cricket almost. Hmm. India played T20 cricket as an extension of ODI cricket. And the teams are very similar. The squads are very similar. We don't have specialist teams. The West Indies, on the other hand, play T20 cricket like it's a beer match after the real game's over. And it's just smash everything out of the park. So, I mean, obviously it's been really successful when it's worked. (laughs) But do you expect them to continue to play cricket in that way? The T20 format, that is. To be honest, I don't know if we have the calibre of players to sort of play that way. We've, it's funny we mentioned Clive Lloyd earlier on the show. Um, the T20, we sort of had a golden generation similar to Clive Lloyd's test generation, whereas we had basically once-in-a-lifetime players, Chris Gale, Dwayne Bravo, Sunil Narayan, Kyron Pollard, Andre Russell, who have sort of defined T20 cricket as it is um, for the past 15 years. And they're sort of, you can't easily replace them, even if it's possible to replace them at all. So we've sort of gradually lost all of them. Um, obviously, only Keeman Pollard's the, the last kind of remaining player consistently in the side. And he's he's 34. He's not at his peak at the moment. So it's whether we can get players to replace that. At the moment, um, it doesn't look like we have the sort of players who can just, as you said, play chaotic T20 cricket. Our, our tactics in T20 cricket have always been don't worry about dot balls, just make sure you get boundaries, at least hit two boundaries per over. And it was successful up to a point. The World Cup came at a crucial time for us because obviously the pandemic postponed it by a year. It meant the likes of DJ Bravo were just one year older and they, it, they sort of couldn't pull it off again. And also as well, the fact it moved from India to the UAE. UAE is sort of the hardest place in the what hit boundaries just because of the size of the size of the pitches um so percentage wise it's very hard to hit boundaries and so we were still trying to play that game hitting boundaries on a pitch which it didn't really suit that style so a lot of factors came together and we sort of crashed and burned in the world cup at the moment we're trying to rebuild with a young squad however the problem is there's a world cup in nine months so <laughs> we don't have much time to sort of rebuild um we're sort of relying on the likes of uh, a nicholas poran to kind of step up in the format but for me 
West Indies, whereas this time last year, I would say we were sort of favourites for the World Cup based on the names we had. This year, you feel like in Australia, it's not going to be a successful campaign just because of the inexperience we have and lack of quality throughout this side. Interesting. But, but you do have Sheldon Cottrell come, coming back in. Ruston Chase keeps his, well, he keeps his spot in the T20 side. What do you make of that? Because he isn't in the ODI squad, right? Yeah, and he hasn't, um, he's not been playing in the England series, but you can imagine he's essentially been picked because of the conditions in India. Um, if we need spin, he's someone who can bowl four overs a spin and we might not necessarily need to rely on his batting, which, as I mentioned earlier, has been uh, weak at the moment. So for me, they picked him as sort of an insurance policy in case we do need that third spinner before, um, in, after Akil Hussain and uh, Fabian Allen. And where's Dre Russ? Is he injured? Is his, uh, have his <laughs> knees given up? What's the story with him? <laughs> Dre, Russ, Dre Russ does what he wants. So Dre Russ, essentially, since since the World Cup, he said he didn't want to tour Pakistan, but he showed up in the Big Bash League, I think for Sydney Sixers. And then at the moment, he's playing in the Bangladesh Premier League. So it seems like we have an agreement with him, whereas he can sort of play franchise cricket as per. And then when when we do want him, he will come back. But you could argue he sort of earned that with his reputation and kind of the years he's played for West Indies cricket. A lot of fans aren't happy about it. But for me, if he's playing franchise cricket, he's still developing skills and he'll know he'll know exactly what he needs to do come a World Cup. So I'd imagine he'll play at the World Cup and that will probably be his swan song for West Indies cricket. But I'd be very surprised if we see him in sort of bilateral T20s before that. And sorry, I haven't followed this as closely as probably should have, but where's the universe boss? Has he retired? Is he still playing? Is he still out there? Because I don't know. Is 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 he is he finally because is is he going to come back? Forty one, forty two. You know what? With, yeah, so he's forty two, forty three in September. With the universe boss, you can never say never. So after the World Cup, he sort of he sort of done a farewell, which suggested it was his last game. But then he refused to officially confirm his retirement. We were meant to play a T Twenty match against Ireland, um, which was supposedly Chris Gale's farewell game in front of. Uh, his home fans at Sabina Park in Jamaica. There was a lot of backlash about that. The famous commentator like Fazir Mahmood um, basically came out and said, we can't give players farewell games. It's, it's unacceptable. And there was a lot of backlash. So it seemed like Cricket West Indies backtracked from giving Chris Gale an official retirement game. So at the moment, he's in limbo. He started off a typical universe boss. He started off a T-shirt band called I'm Not Going Anywhere. Which could suggest, <laughs> which might suggest his career path. But at the moment, it's strange. It's it's accepted that he has retired, but he officially hasn't said anything. So you never know with Chris Girl what's going to happen. But me personally, I don't think we'll see him back in in West Indies colours. Interesting. Any other stars you want to pick out from this this T Twenty squad? You've got. Um, we obviously talked about Nicholas Puran, Fabian Allen, Darren Bravo, controversial. Ross and Chase, slightly controversial. Sheldon Cottrell, nice left arm, but it's taken to the cleaners from what I remember by uh, Tewatia because he was the bowler in that 30-run over, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, Dominic Drakes, what do we know about him? So Dominic Drakes is, um, he was he was with the successful, he scored the winning runs in the CPL for St. Kitts and Nevis uh, Patriots. His father, Vasper Drakes, used to play for West Indies. He's, he's an all-rounder. Oh, I remember Vasper Drakes. He's a yeah. bowler, wasn't he? Yeah, so Vasper... So he's got uh, he's got cricket lineage. He's someone who going forward after the World Cup, I think he's someone who will see central to the side. A talented all rounder. I think he hasn't got that experience at the moment, so we'll use him sporadically. But he's someone to keep an eye out for. He got a deal with um, Chennai Super Kings last year in the IPL for the playoffs um, after he'd been a net bowler throughout that series. Um, so he's someone who certainly franchises around the world are going to keep an eye on him. If Chennai did sign him last year for the IPL, it wouldn't surprise me if, if a franchise came in for him this, this time in the IPL draft. So he's someone to look out for. Obviously, Rothman Powell, that blister in century against England, he's sort of thrown his name into the hat as a starter now for the side. So... But again, he's very inconsistent. So it, it, what we want to see from him is consistent runs. And at the top of the order, I think Carl Mayers came in for the fourth T20 against England, scored a very nice 40-40 off 24 balls or something. So he's someone who's thrown his name into the mix as a potential opener alongside um, Evan Lewis. At the moment, you've got Brandon King, Carl Mayers and Shai Hope sort of fighting it out to see who will partner Evan Lewis as a permanent opener in the side. Carl Mayers, interestingly enough, he learned his craft as an opener in the Norway Premier League. He averaged 106 when he went out there about two years ago. And he sort of said he learned a lot about opening over there, despite the quality. So he's someone who's taken an unorthodox route, but he's sort of made his way now. And you can imagine after his performance against England, he will open against India alongside Brandon King. 
Very good. I think that's about all on the West Indian squad. Is there anything else you want to add before we move to the Indian squad, which looks very quite similar to the ODI squad? <laughs> no, I just think, I think as with the ODIs, I think you guys are our favourites, but I think with, T, with the T20 format, you never know what's going to happen. All it takes is one player to sort of perform perform amazingly and, and the match has swung. So the T20s for me are going to be more closely contested than, than the ODIs between the sides. And I think you guys have got uh, people who bat all the way to 11. I mean, Hussein taking like, what is 28 of the last over and yeah. you lost by just one run, right? I mean, it's, yeah, a, bit, exactly. it's a bit insane for, for that yeah. sort of batting depth when you've got a team, was it eight or nine down? I, I can't even remember. It was, it was a crazy yeah, finish down. to that game. Yeah, completely, yeah. completely nuts. But let's just go through the Indian squad. Rohit Sharma, obviously, uh, He's going to make his way back, captaining the T20 squad. Most successful IPL captain in the history, yada, yada, yada. Uh, KL Rahul, vice captain, um, coming off some pretty... He's been criticised quite a lot for his handling of the uh, ODI captaincy in in South Africa. Unfairly in, in our opinion, I think, because he wasn't expecting to do any of that when he probably got picked. Um, Yuzvendra Chehel stays in the squad. Uh, no Kuldeep. So he's basically the swap for Kuldeep in that squad. Avesh Khan is in both squads. Delhi Capitals player did really well the uh, last IPL. Deepak Chahar, of course, we've already spoken about him. Ishan Kishan, another Mumbai Indians player. What do you make of him? Have you followed his his uh, his career so far? Yeah, I, I find him I find him quite an amusing uh, character only because I remember watching the Mumbai Indians documentary on Netflix and he sort of had an addiction to PlayStation. He was playing at like three in the morning and he said he said I can't stop playing, which I found hilarious. But he's he's an explosive player. I don't think he's got the consistency from what I've seen, but he's definitely someone who if he's if he can follow the right trajectory and and build up on his potential, then he'll definitely be a world class player for India going forward. Absolutely. And he's he's he plays more in sort of the West Indian yeah, the exactly. old West Indian style, probably influenced by the, uh, the by Kyron Pollard at the Mumbai Indians, telling him go out and have some fun, or Evan Lewis, who who used to play for the Mumbai Indians back in the day, in that documentary as well. I think he was he was part of the Mumbai Indians. But Ishan Kishan, I think, is one that we need to watch for the future. He had a really good IPL in 2020. Uh, I think he uh, he scored a lot of runs. He averaged over 50. Didn't have as good an IPL in 2021 which is one of the reasons the Mumbai Indians didn't do so well. But I think him along with Rishabh Pan, they are the future. They're 23, 24 years old. And we need to really invest in these guys, give them a game. We brought him in for one game against New Zealand um, in the last T20 World Cup. And then he opened the batting with Rahul and he, we dropped him again, which was, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, Shreya Sayyar, another player um, who's done decently well. He, he's an ODI player as well. Venkatesh Ayer stays in the squad for the... T20 games, which I think is looking forward to the Australia World Cup because you need bowling all-rounders, seam bowling all-rounders and Venki can, uh, Venki Ayer can uh, hit long ball, he plays for KKR, open the batting for them and and also uh, chip in with those three or four overs. Kohli, of course, class. Bhuvi stays in the T20 squad, which is a bit, it's a bit weird. Maybe they think that he can manage four overs instead of ten. Frankly, I found that a bit odd. Uh, Siraj stays in, Pant stays in, Akshar Patel comes in. Harshal Patel comes in, so rewarding IPL performance. Harshal Patel was the purple cap winner, the highest uh, highest um, wicket taker. Ravi Bishnoi is in here as well, and Shardul Thakur, Washington Tundar, and Surya Kumar Yadav. So, what I really hope they do is because you've got three T20s that they change the squad around and they they give everyone a game. What I don't want is to see the the eleven being the same throughout. And if you need to rest players, and we've talked about this on our show, what I'd like to see is for them to play replacements in the right spot. So if Kohli is being rested, you play Sky in his spot because he's a number three batter. And if um, you basically play them in the right positions, because the issue with Indian T20 cricket is everyone opens the batting. We don't have players down the order like a Hardik Pandya who comes in and, and smashes it, or a Dre Russ at his peak. He knew he would be batting six, five or six, so he molded his game in that way. Instead, what we have is a batting order that's full of people who open the batting, like to bat in the power play. Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli. KL Rahul, Ishan Kishan, Surikumar Yadav bats three as well. I mean, uh, Shreyas Iyer bats three or four as well. Rishabh Pan bats four as well. What we really want are people who can bat five, six, seven, right? And I think that is the biggest weakness that Indian T20 cricket has, which is the strength that West Indian cricket has back in the day as well, where you had Darren Sammy, you had DJ Bravo, you had Dre Russ, you had Carlos Bratwaite, you had uh, Jason Holder. All of those players 
when you look at them, they're all kind of similar. They're symboling all around us, right? But they all bring something different. And that, that multidimensional skill that the West Indies brought, and I, I know you say it's a golden generation, but what we seem to have in, at India is like a lot of very good people at a single skill. So you're either very good at bowling or you're very good at batting. And within batting, you're very good at batting up the order, which makes it very top heavy. So I think that's, those are the issues that the Indian T20 squad needs to sort out for itself. I need, to, I need to ask, though, because this is a player who matches the criteria. And we've been talking all episode about it being a Mumbai Indians family reunion for this series. What's happening with uh, Hardik Panja? What's his sort of status at the moment? I think he's uh, I think he's about to have his second child. So he's been quite busy. Uh, he's also captain of one of the new IPL franchises, uh, which is the Ahmedabad franchise. But I think I think he's still injured, if I'm not wrong. I think oh. because he brings he he's actually one of the players that could bring that. Uh, yeah. big hitting down the order. He's one of the biggest hitters in India. So what we... We're also missing Jadeja, who's injured as well. Uh, so Akshar Patel will fill in for, for him to, to to some extent. Washington Sundar will fill in for uh, him to some extent. But we are missing that big hitter at five or six. And Pandya usually would bring that. We've got a World Cup coming up and he hasn't actually played for quite a long time. So uh, he'll need to have a very good IPL for us to uh, really judge him. So and um, um, what 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 are you sort of what are your realistic expectations for India at the World Cup? Bearing in mind it's going to be in Australian conditions, how confident are you at the moment? There's two ways of looking at that World Cup, and ever since I, I think it was meant to be 2020, right? So ever since like 2018, 2019, we've been trying to figure out whether it's better to fill your team with people who can run well between the wickets and minimize the number of dot balls, or hit big and clear those massive boundaries. And I think what you need is a mix, right? It's, I know it's a cop-out answer, but what you probably need is a mix of those two types of players. A, a Kohli or a, 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 a Dhoni back in the day who could who could rotate the strike quickly, run really quick between the wickets, convert ones into twos, twos into threes. And you also need the Rishabh Pants of the world to be able to clear those massive boundaries. Rishabh Pants, the um, Hardik Pandya, Shreya Sayer is a big hitter. Rohit Sharma is probably one of our biggest hitters in, in India. So, realistically, I mean, the, the, the issue with T20 cricket is like, you can make all the predictions you want. But once the tournament actually starts, everything goes out of the window. Yeah. Literally, like, the West Indies and India were one of the biggest favourites when the tournament started last time around. And we ended yeah. up with both of the teams going out of the World Cup in the preliminary rounds. And who made the semi-finals and the finals? I mean... Pakistan, okay, they could blow hot and cold any day. Yeah. England was probably fancy, but they went out. Australia, who have no clue about T20 cricket and have been useless at it for years, win the whole thing. And they played New Zealand, who their best T20 batter, Martin Guptill, doesn't even get a gig in the biggest T20 league in the world. So it's, yeah. it's all, I think it's about momentum. It's about, I think it's a lot about feel. And I think the first World Cup showed us that with MS Dhoni bowling Joginder Sharma in that last over against Pakistan, which is, yeah. you need a lot of luck. You need to have a feel for the game. You need momentum on your side. And you just need to play well for those two, two and a half weeks. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you referenced it well. Obviously, when you guys won it in 2007, it was sort of by accident you won it because it was essentially just trying out Dhoni as a captain with, yeah. a, with a reserve squad. So um, it's funny how the tournament works. And obviously, I mentioned West Indies cricket. We, we've lost the likes of Gale and Barber at the last World Cup. Do you think this World Cup is going to be a swan song for Virat Kohli? Well, he hasn't got a... Um, he hasn't had a single trophy as captain, but he has a couple of trophies as player. So he has got, he's won the World Cup in 2011 with India. He's won the Champions Trophy in 2013 with India. He's won the under-19 World Cup as captain, I think, 2007, 2008. But maybe it frees him up. What I'd like to see is for Virat Kohli to come back and become the great batsman that he is. I was actually watching uh, the documentary Shane okay. on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's about Shane Warne and uh, the issues he went through and like his highs and lows. And he talked about... And someone... Um, I'm trying to think who it was. Shoei Bakhtar recently said that Virat Kohli... If I was Virat Kohli, I wouldn't have gotten married. It's distracted him from his cricket and all of that stuff. Which It's just nonsense, like, when you think about it. But Shane Warne actually says that his family took a backseat in his pursuit for greatness. And I don't think Kohli is willing to make that sacrifice. So, although it's nonsense to say you shouldn't get married and have children or whatever. I mean, lots of very successful players got married and had children and yeah. <laughs> went on to have... I mean, Sachin scored 100 hundreds, right? So, yeah. I think that's nonsense that come from Shoei. But I think Kohli... 
I would just love to see him go back to being the batsman that he was. And for that, I think he needs to become a bit more selfish. He's extremely focused, obviously, but he just, I'd love to see him just go back and forget about all the external noise. Forget about the 71 and all of that stuff. I just want him to enjoy his cricket again. eh? And we saw when Sachin was relieved of the captaincy in, I think it was 96, 97, he was captain. He went through to uh, tour to the West Indies where I think we were all out for 81 at, um, at, it was Jamaica? I think, uh, or Barbados, one of the two. Uh, we were all out for 81 and he sat down and cried as captain. We're chasing 121. And so, obviously, captaincy takes more out of great players than we think. And it's taken its toll on him. He's been removed in an unceremonious way. The questions over his, let's make no mistake, there are questions over his spot in this T20 side. Because while he was captain, he was unquestionable because he would have to play. Yeah. But it's arguable whether he brings as much to the T20 side as just a batter. Let's not forget, he, he was man of the tournament in 2014 and 2016 yeah. for his runs. He didn't do well in, tw- in tw- 2021, which was the next World Cup. So I would like to see, I know, long story short, I would love to see him just go back to scoring lots of runs, enjoying his cricket. He's 33. He's got a, a lot of runs ahead of him. And it would shut down the noise around it. And it would help Rohit do well in his captaincy because, frankly, Rohit doesn't want to be in a position where he has to drop Virat Kohli. Yeah, of course. Because that will be dramatic, it'll be political, it'll be it will descend. It's already a mess right now. Yeah. It's a mess. And it will be even worse. Because Kohli gave up the T twenty captaincy voluntarily. The T the ODI captaincy was taken from him. He did not want to give that up. He wanted to lead India into the twenty twenty three World Cup, but it was taken from him. And then he gave up the test captaincy, possibly because he thought, well, what's the point? I've been left as a single format captain, which I didn't want to do. I want to go back and score those runs. So for me, the first step for Kohli is to score those runs. I don't think he cares as much about the T20 World Cup in a way, which is why he gave up the captaincy. I think he really wants to win that 2023 ODI World Cup, which is at home. It's... He's going to be 34. He's probably got one more World Cup in him after that. But I think he wants to win that World Cup. He's already a World Cup winner, but he was young when he won it. And that was more about Sachin and and winning it for him. And they carried him on his shoulders and all of that stuff. And I would love to see Kohli go out in the same way. Because frankly, for this guy to have... Sorry, this has become a Kohli show. (laughs) Because huge fan. He goes over the top. Let's not make any mistake. He goes over the top. He's passionate and... Again, it's it's like what Warren said in his documentary. I I went over the top, but at the end of the day, when we crossed the line, it was all I it was all good fun, and we see that with Kohli. He's like a split personality. He's almost like a he's completely off the charts when he's screaming into stump mics, abusing the opponents, sledging Keswick Williams. It's crazy. It's something like we've never seen before, but it's box office. But once he's off yeah. the field, you can see he was shaking hands with Dean Elgar. He gave, uh, when we lost to Pakistan in the T20 World Cup, he gave Babar Azam a hug and Rizwan a hug. And you can see it's white line fever for that kind that, that kind of guy. So I'd love to mm. see him. I, I, I really wish him the best. I wish Rohit the best as well. I mean, we, we're fans of Indian cricket and we want to see them do well. So... They will obviously need to work together for that to happen. Yeah. I think from from my perspective, I think the reason why Cody behaves like that on the pitch in terms of his captaincy, as you said, upfront aggression is because he's the same age as me. And we grew up with Australia dominating through that aggression. You know, McGrath fighting Ronnie Sarwan on the pitch, Ricky Ponting just being upfront in people's faces. So for our generation, that's the mold template for how you have a successful team and captaincy. And I think Coley's slightly taken a leaf out of the Australian textbook, which sort of links in with you talking about sort of shame worn and being in the zone and everything like that. Absolutely. And we've said it before on our show, Coley's the most Australian Australian of them all at the moment. <laughs> and he's, he's our generation is what you said. So I'm 36, he's 33. We've watched like... Warren McGrath, Gillespie, Damon Fleming, Brett Lee, Ricky Ponting, Adam Gilchrist, these guys, Steve Ward, dominating, not just on the pitch, but through words, through uh, actions, through aggression, often over the top as well. Uh, McGrath was Mm. was out of line a number of times and he he got it for it. You saw his run-ins with Brian Lara, Ram Naresh Sarwan, as you pointed out. Edo Brandis has a a superb line against him as well, which I'm not sure we can say on a family-friendly show, but if you search for Edo Brandis and McGrath, you'll you'll, you'll find out what what he said. But um, yeah, and that's why they love him in Australia. He's a pantomime villain. When he started, yeah. he's flipped the crowd at the SCG, I think, as well. But when he scored 400s in four test matches, and then yeah. he went back-to-back series there, he for the first time ever, he led the Indian team in 2018 for 
to victory the first time ever against Australia. First Asian team to win a test series in Australia. I mean, it was... And you you saw all the drama and hype around him and, and they love him there. And some of his best innings have come against Australia, including the T20 World Cup. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, really looking forward to the India-West Indies series as well. It's more friendly because they obviously know each other from the IPL. It's, it's more chilled and it, there will be drama. There will be lots of stuff that comes out of it as well, I'm sure. Um, but it'll be, in, it'll be in good humor. It'll be hard cricket, uh, but I think everyone will, uh, will have a laugh at the end of the day. Definitely. And I'm just hoping Kohli doesn't start scoring the runs against West Indies. He can do it after this series, but not against West Indies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just want him to score 800 and get that 71st monkey off his back. Because I think there's a few Twitter accounts that are counting the number of days since Kohli scored 100. And it's now been a long time. Of course, we had a COVID break and stuff in the middle. Anyway, Santoki, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. For those of you who haven't followed the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, so just um, Caribbean Cricket Pod on Twitter. We're on Instagram, YouTube. We've got all our visual content on there. So just search us, find us, follow us. And yeah, thank you guys for having us on. As we said, it's been long awaited. It's definitely lived up to the hype. Had a good discussion about this. And hopefully we can catch up after this series to kind of review what went down. Absolutely, absolutely. Santoki, thank you so much for making the time. Of course, we are Edges and Sledges. We are at the rate one tip, one hand. And I think I gave away my age by saying at the rate of. So at one tip, one hand. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on Spotify. Spotify have ratings now. So rate us, rate the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Go to Apple, give us a review. And yes, we will be back next week on our show talking all about the ODI that would have taken place. We'll be talking about the Under-19 World Cup where... India have made it through to the semi-finals as we record. I don't think the West Indies have made it, so unlucky there, guys. But um, in the Indian under-19 boys have avenged the um, loss in 2020 to Bangladesh and also beaten South Africa. So there's a little bit for Indian fans to smile about. There was also a great game in the women's ashes, which ended in a draw with one wicket still standing. Um, England scoring the highest ever uh, uh, score in a fourth innings of a uh, women's test match. And uh, any other cricket? The PSL is on, so that's been pretty fun to watch recently. Um, you've got one more game coming up, uh, Santoki against England. So we're going we're recording this on the Sunday. So yeah. where do you think that series against England is going to end up? Come on, let's let's have your because by the time this releases, <laughs> the series yeah. should be over. It'll be so very who are you backing to win that last one? It's two. Yeah, all so, so it's two-two at the moment. The momentum seems to be with England, but I think West Indies. We always play at our best when there's something on the line and nothing nothing bigger for us than a series win against England in Barbados, which has sort of felt like an away match for West Indies because of the amount of Barmy Army England fans in the stadium. So I think the fact that it's a decider, series decider, West Indies will step up and we'll take it 3-2. There you have it, guys. This was the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast, collaborating with a fantastic Caribbean cricket podcast. Enjoy, stay safe and take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.